Let's open up to Acts chapter 4 this morning. See you later, youth group. Uh, Acts chapter 4, the title of this sermon is The One Thing Necessary. Uh, we'll be reading verses 13 to 31. Acts 4, 13 to 31. I'll be reading out of the NIV. Um, we're picking it up in the middle of a story. Uh, so uh, if, kind of what happened right before this, Peter and John just healed a guy, and they, got to, they were thrown in prison for it, and now they're standing before the religious leaders, and we're picking it up in verse 13, and it's talking about the religious leaders. So here we go. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. And they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Which, pause, he's like, he was over 40. It's a miracle. Verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal, perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That's God's word. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that we have your word. As, as these disciples said, this is the Holy Spirit who's speaking. God, thank you for your living word right now. And, and we just ask that you would speak to us, God. Give us ears to hear from the living God through his holy word. Lord, help me to, to proclaim what is here boldly. Lord, keep me from saying anything that is not faithful to your word. And above all, would you help us fall more in love with Jesus this morning? And it is in that name. Amen. 
All right, well, this uh, verse, our passage starts at verse 13, and it says this phrase. It says, they were unschooled, ordinary men. Uh, of all the descriptions of the men and women of God, honestly, I resonate with this one. Of, they were unschooled, ordinary men. Listen, from the beginning of Jesus' church and the beginning of our church, this verse, Acts chapter 4, verse 13, is like the heartbeat of the church and our church. Like, this is reality story. Like, we, we're not a bunch of schooled, extraordinary people. We're unschooled, ordinary people. And if you look through church history, you will actually see that the majority of the mighty men and women of God were just like the apostles, unschooled and ordinary. Um, normally, you should share a story at the end of a sermon, but I'm going to share it right here. Um, in about around 2010, my wife and I, she was my fiance at the time, we were seniors at Westmont. And um, our plan was to graduate Westmont. We were going to go back to Rancho Cucamonga, where we were from. Um, I was going to go to seminary down there. I knew the Lord had called me to ministry. And we're like, okay, that's the plan. And uh, we were at a service here at Reality Carp. It was actually at the high school. It was a seven-year anniversary service. Um, and if you were there for that service, you remember that service. In fact, if anybody, like, was anybody there for that service, you remember? Okay, listen, I just need to testify. It's, it's kind of tough worshiping Jesus outside when we're used to, like, air conditioning and lights and the words and the music, right? You guys, that day, like, the Holy Spirit fell on us. Like, it's kind of hard to even get on your knees on the carpets here. Like, the entire, like, service, people were on their knees on a downward grade in concrete. Like, we were like, oh my, like, God is here. We were worshiping Jesus. And as this was happening, as we were worshiping Jesus, clear as the Holy Spirit's ever spoken to me, I just knew the Holy Spirit was like, hey, that plan about going home and going to seminary, it's not, it's not my plan for you. And on the one hand, you're kind of like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I, I know God is speaking to me. On the other hand, I'm like, God, what are you saying? Like, this is my plan. This is like what my parents, this is what my future parents-in-law are being like, what are you doing? Aren't you in a seminary? You're not going to seminary. What are you doing? And um, so I, we finished worshiping. I was like, okay, I have to talk to Ariana. And I was like, hey, we need to talk. Like, the Lord spoke to me. And she was like, yeah, we need to talk. Like, God spoke to me too. And we're like, oh my gosh. So we go to the beach and I was like, you go first. And she's basically like, listen, I just felt convicted. Like, that, that's not God's plan for our life, to go back home and go to seminary. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know? And I was like, God said the same thing to me. So we're like freaking out. This is awesome. God almost never does this kind of unique leading. And so we're like, this is awesome. But at the same time, like, what are we doing then? What are we doing with our lives? Like, what are we going to tell people? I don't even know. And we spent like that senior year praying, trying to figure it out. And honestly, we didn't have like a clear thing. Like, what are we doing, Lord? Um, and so the one thing we knew was the Lord is using this church in our life. And we're like, you know what? We'll stay put. We'll be involved here. Um, I took my college degree to a bunch of jobs and they were like, no, nope, sorry. And I ended up working at Starbucks for three years. And I'm working at Starbucks with my college degree. It was honestly, shamefully, just so hard for me. I felt like I was qualified for more and I couldn't believe that. But you guys, I just need me to say those three years of just working faithfully, the Lord taught me first and foremost, just, he just taught me how to love him and his word and his church. Not because like I was working there, not because it was like, I was getting praise, like nobody even knew me. I was just falling in love with Jesus, with his word, with his church. I was learning to be a faithful husband as we had like three part-time jobs, just surviving, like it was crazy. Um, but I just wanna testify, this is my story. This verse right here, when I read this verse, it's like, oh, it has so much history with me. I'm an ordinary, 
unschooled, untrained person who the Lord has been directing and leading and guiding. And as we look at this verse, the context of this verse, so they just healed a man. They were uh, getting in trouble by the Sanhedrin or whatever, and they said, hey, listen, we're going to keep talking about Jesus. And to just sum up what we just read, verses 13 to 22 we see Peter and John like standing in the face of opposition, saying, we're going we're to preach Jesus. In verses 23 to 30, we see them go report to the church. They have a prayer meeting. We see their, their prayer and their life and their thoughts are formed by scripture. And then in verse 31, we see like God like shake the building, pour out his spirit. And as we've like started from Acts, the beginning of Acts to the end of Acts, these are the themes that we see right, like prayer meetings and the power of God and the Holy Spirit and healing and shaped by scripture and opposition. These themes will continue to come up. But verse 13 is, is like kind of new territory for Acts. And we're gonna spend the majority of our morning just looking at this verse together. So I'm gonna reread verse 13 and we're gonna dig deep. So verse 13 says this again. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, Ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note these men had been with Jesus. So first, remember these guys. This is Peter and John, okay? Anybody remember what they used to do for a living? Fishermen, right? Um, these Greek words, unschooled, that word is agrametos. Kind of makes sense, right? Grammar, uh, ah, like not, agrametos. And here's what it means. It means without learning, unlettered, and it, in certain contexts, it could even mean illiterate. Uh, the sense here in this verse is that these guys didn't go to seminary. They weren't religiously trained. They were nothing like the men they were talking to. They, they had none of these credentials or training. And then the other word, that word for ordinary, is uh, it's kind of harsh. It's a Greek word. It's idiotes. That's what ordinary means here. That's uh, the word for it. And it means unskilled, layperson, non-expert, outsider. In other words, they were like pretty much most of us, right? Like, you guys remember those high school awards, like most likely to, whatever, succeed, be a doctor, change the world? John and Peter got the like, most likely to skip class and go fishing. Like, that was their award. I was like, nothing's happening with you. You're unschooled, you're common, you're not special. But what is incredible is these two men, unschooled, ordinary men, are going toe-to-toe with literally the most trained the most revered and respected religious rulers in the whole world. You have two fishermen and the trained religious elite. And the next verse, verse 14, says this. It says, since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Basically, these two guys just, they just won. Like they just kicked the religious leaders' butts. They literally had nothing to say. They, they were speechless to these unschooled men. And verse 13 says the word, they were astonished. Now, here's the thing. If we are honest, like let's just be honest, we tend to think like these religious leaders. We tend to expect exceptional people to do exceptional things. That's how we think. You know, when we see a CEO or we see a, you know, leader of whatever, a church organization, we're like, yeah, that's because they're the exceptional ones. That's, they're the most gifted. They're the most talented, driven, hard workers. That's how we tend to think. Exceptional people do exceptional things. And that's why they're astonished because this is Peter and John. 
They're fishermen. They are not exceptional. They are ordinary, unschooled, untrained men. And so while the world tends to think, you know what, exceptional people are the ones who do exceptional things, I just have to say that's not how the kingdom of God works. In the kingdom of God, regular, unexceptional, ordinary people, regular, unexceptional, ordinary people do exceedingly impossible things because they are in God's hands. That's the kingdom of God. The world is like, hey, listen, you got to work hard and you got to be really talented and hopefully you're gifted and that's how you succeed. In the kingdom of God, we have mostly ordinary, unschooled, unexceptional people who are in the hands of an almighty God. Listen, have you guys ever read the Bible? Have you ever read, have you ever paid any attention to the people in the Bible? They are not exceptional. They are the opposite of exceptional. Listen, we would have never heard the name Abraham. He was one guy in all the nations, but God called to him and said, I'm going to make a nation out of you, Abraham. We never would have heard the name Moses. He would have spent his days, he was 80 years old, working for his father-in-law as a shepherd in the wilderness. And that's where he would have died. But God called to him from a burning bush, gave him a call and a mission and said, I will be with you. You will deliver my people. Listen, we never would have heard David's name. If your name is David, it probably wouldn't have been David. We never would have heard of him. When a prophet came to David's dad and was like, hey, where are your sons? He didn't even think of David. He was the youngest one off being a shepherd. But God saw something in David that nobody else saw because God's not like the world. He saw David's heart and he anointed him to be king of his people. Filled him with the spirit, he went on to conquer Goliath and armies. Listen, you never would have heard of Gideon and that whole battle. He was a slave. He, his, his kingdom is the people of Israel enslaved at that time. And he was just fearfully like working. And then God called to him one day, and this is what God said to Gideon. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, who are you talking to? I'm a slave. I'm just trying to not get in trouble. But God is like, I'm with you. The Lord is with you. Therefore, you are a mighty warrior. We never would have heard of Mary's name. She would have been one of the countless wives in Israel. But God called her and, and put his spirit on her and said, you will have my son in your womb. Like she was ordinary, but God came on her. Uh, a man named Hudson Taylor, he was a pioneer missionary to China. This is what he said. I mean, he was kind of a big deal. He did a lot of stuff. This is what he said. All God's giants have been weak people who did great things for God because they reckoned on his being with them. Like this is the Bible not by the strength of people, the abilities of people, but by God and his spirit and his strength. Like God did ridiculous things like, okay, here's how you're gonna take Jericho. You're gonna walk around it for a week. This is how you're gonna take it. Because then when the walls fall down, everyone's gonna know God is with these people. That wasn't like some good strategy. The whole point was that God would be glorified. Paul, who was actually pretty smart, said this in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 to 29. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. 
God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring to shame, to bring to nothing things that are. So that, listen, no human being might boast in the presence of God. Like this truth is almost unfathomable for us. This is not the way we think. This is not the way the world works. We glory in human strength and might and wisdom and resources and wealth and connections. And Paul's like, that's not how the kingdom of God works. Now I want to get a little uh, specific. So we have Westmont grads in here. I'm a Westmont grad. Congratulations again. Um, and I know we have parents visiting and you're like, so you're telling me that all this money I just spent on my kid, I just shouldn't have spent it, right? There's no point in education. There's no point in getting college degrees. Um, and I just want to, I want us to think biblically about like education, okay? There's nothing evil or wrong about education. It's a gift from God. If we have the means to go do it, we should go and do it. Listen, we wouldn't have our English Bibles if it wasn't for really smart people who understood Hebrew and Greek and gave it to us. Like, thank God for smart people. But listen, there is a danger to education because the more like qualified and trained one becomes, the more prone we are to forget where our true qualification comes from. The more, like, we, it's so easy to think the, the more degrees and the, the more I study, like, I'm just getting smarter. You know, like, I'm, I'm kind of, like, doing this. And here's, here's how we have to think about education. I want to get as much learning and as much training so that I can be a fool for Jesus. That's the point of Christian education. I want to study and learn so that I can look foolish in the kingdom. I want to be, the world's not going to look at me and be like, wow, look at this great, amazing learner. They're like, what, you're about Jesus? That doesn't make any sense. That is the point. That's why we train. That's why we learn. So we can be fools for Jesus. You just are a smarter fool. Congratulations. Like, you're a really good fool. You're a really trained fool for Jesus. And like, that doesn't make sense to the world. If you're like, this doesn't make sense, you're right. It's the kingdom of God. The last shall be first. And so, listen, if you're like a CEO or you're a boss or you're really successful at what you do, listen, you have to constantly remember, I'm in this for the glory of Jesus, which means I can't be in it for my glory. I can't be in it for my name. I can't be in it to show myself to be strong. Look, I'm in it so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. How can I humble myself? Use all of my resources so people would see Jesus, the beauty of Jesus, and not mine. And, you know, listen, it's cool. We have educated people in the Bible. Moses was educated in Egypt. Uh, Luke, who wrote this book, was a doctor. And then Paul was probably the, one of the smartest humans the world has ever produced, right? He was religiously trained. He was the top of the top. But listen, how much good did his training do him? In fact, it was a very, that very thing that was an obstacle to see Jesus. And it wasn't until a radical encounter with the living God, not a book, not, not, like he encountered the living God. And then by God's grace, he was able to use his sharp mind to write things like this. This is what the smartest man, arguably one of the smartest who's ever lived, this is what he said about himself. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Listen, if you are a genius, like this should be your life verse. 
listen, I'm doing everything I can so people would see the power of God on my life. Not how smart I am because when we start to do that, we're just distracting from the kingdom and the glory of God and the power that is in the spirit. Like how can we get as low as we can, leverage everything that we've been given so people would see Jesus. It, we have a couple cool examples in, in church history. Um, I think C.S. Lewis is a really good example. He was brilliant. He was a British scholar. He was really well regarded. And um, he became a Christian and the whole world is like, what are you doing writing these children's stories? You're like the smartest guy. Like, what are you doing? You look like a fool. But he, he knew I'm going to leverage my gifts so that people would, would see Jesus and the truth about Jesus. And listen, if you're like a, a doctor, hey, Luke was smart. He, was, he had resources. He leveraged them for the, the gospel for the sake of God. And so if, if you are trained and, and educated and gifted, praise God for you. But know you have a unique challenge before you every day. How can I get people's eyes off of me, off of my gifts, off of my talents, off of my resources, and onto Jesus? And if you're not trained and educated, good news, you are in the vast majority of the mighty men and women of God. Welcome to the club. Peter and John are like, yeah, let's go. Come on, we're like unsmart. Paul over there, he's all smart. But listen, that's the majority of the people of God. And, and one more thing on this point. Whatever like trials and temptations and suffering you are facing right now, it's if we are only looking to our abilities and the resources of people like you will be overwhelmed. It's too much. It's too big. But you have a great God, a great God who is available to you. He's able to work all things for your good. He's able to recreate sin and mess and disaster. And so if you're in a hard place this morning, I just want to encourage you, lift your eyes above yourself and your resources and even above people onto Jesus who is able to help you this morning. And so verse 13 reminds us of these glorious, God-centered truths. And as we're reminded of what we don't need to be, these trained, qualified, gifted, like the way the world thinks people, verse 13 also shows us the one thing we do need to be about, the one thing that is most important. Look at verse 13 again. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note, listen, what's next? That these men had been with Jesus. This is the one thing we have to be about. Before Jesus did anything with Peter and John, before he did anything, sent them out, cast out demons, go preach, go heal, before he did any of that, the first thing he did was call them to be with him. Mark 3, 14, we, we hear this verse all the time. He appointed the 12 that they might what? Be with him. Like just honestly pause right there. Before they did anything else, they were called to be with Jesus. This is the call. If you want to follow Jesus, you, the call, the priority, the purpose of your life like why you are here is to be with Jesus. The, the first priority of your life, which means every day, is to be with Jesus. There's, there is no other priority. This comes first. Listen, if you're a mom 
I'm learning a lot about moms. My wife just had a baby. You have a lot on your plate. Your first job as a mom is to just seek and be with Jesus. If you're a husband, your first job as a husband is to seek and be with Jesus. If you're a single person, guess what? Your priority is the same. Your job is to be with Jesus. If you're a worker, the first thing, the first priority of your job is to be with Jesus. Like this is the first thing first. And listen, I have a life too and I feel stressed out and I'm like, there's too much to do. That like my house and my baby and my work and it's just too much and I'm just trying to survive. Or maybe you're like, hey, listen, I gotta get to work for Jesus. There's missions, there's like people to tell about Jesus. There's a lot of good things, a lot of hard things in life. Is, how am I really, am I really supposed to like be with Jesus every single day? Uh, there's a great story if you are like that. That's my tendency. We're gonna read a quick story in Luke 10, verse 38, about two sisters. It says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. If you're like me, when I read stories like that, I'm like, okay, what? So I'm just supposed to quit my job and not work and not pay my bills and just sit and read my Bible all day? Is that what Christianity is? And listen, the, the truth is, no, we are also called, the Bible calls us to be responsible, to work hard, not be dependent on others as far as we are able. But what Jesus is pointing out here is there's something that is most important. It's sitting at his feet. There are many priorities in life, but being with Jesus every single day, literally, is what is the most important thing. And I just want to testify, uh, usually when I wake up and I'm trying to get up to be with the Lord and I have a whole, my, my mind's already running with all the things I need to do. And I'm like, okay, I know this is good, but it, sometimes it just feels like a burden or a discipline. I just want to testify that to be with Jesus is where our strength is actually found. Like, like we actually have an opportunity to tap into more strength and more peace and like a place to send all our anxieties and all of our worries and all of our stress. And so it's some work for sure to sit at Jesus' feet. But listen, we put ourselves through much more work when we neglect to be with Jesus. I just wanna say that life is so much lamer when we're stressed out and we're short with our spouses and we're feeling all the burdens of the world on our shoulders, Jesus is like, come to me. Take my burden on you. Let me have your burdens. I will give you rest and strength and joy. I will, give you with my, I will fill you with my spirit that gives you peace that surpasses understanding. Yeah, it's a little sacrifice to sit at my feet, but watch me sustain you all day long. And I mean, I'm learning this even having a baby. Um, 
listen, it's the best to have a baby and he doesn't like sleeping. And so sometimes it's like the hardest thing in the world. He just doesn't like falling asleep. And uh, what I have found is when I just put the needs that are just immediately before me, 24-7, before Jesus, like, listen, I'm like falling apart. I'm stressed out. I'm like snapping at my wife. I'm like angry at Obed for being a baby. I'm like not in a good place. But when I sit with Jesus, he graciously just convicts me, points out his love for me, helps me get my head on straight and my heart right. Like, okay, yeah, this is what I'm called to. Help me, God. And I'm a far better dad and a far better husband when I spend time with Jesus. And listen, Paul said, like, this is the secret to Christianity. He said, this is actually, like, this is the secret sauce to following Jesus, being with Jesus. He says this in Philippians 4.13. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things, listen, through him who strengthens me. I go to Jesus and he gives me strength. Hudson Taylor uh, had something similar. There's a biography of Hudson Taylor by his son and his daughter-in-law called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret, which makes you like, what's the secret? I want to read the book. It's a clever title. I'm just going to ruin, you don't need to read the whole book. Here's the secret. It's this. They say this about their dad. Hudson Taylor had many secrets for he was always going on with God, yet they were but one. The simple profound secret of drawing for every need, temporal or spiritual, upon the fathomless wealth of Christ. That's the secret to life. I can be with Jesus and he can give me strength. And listen, as we read the rest of the book of Acts, we're gonna see these guys be so full of courage and boldness. We're gonna see more miracles happen. We're gonna see them praying. We're gonna see them shaped by the word of God, preaching the word of God. But I just want us to to focus on this. All of the fruit of the book of Acts came from one source. They had been with Jesus. John, who was with Peter, said it like this. He said, Jesus is the vine and we're the branches. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. We can do nothing, which sounds like it doesn't make sense. I can do a lot of stuff. He's like, listen, you can do nothing that matters apart from Jesus. And so when we have a lot ahead of us and before us, we can just like focus on all the stuff we got to get done. It's like a branch focusing on all the avocados it has to produce. But listen, your first job as an avocado branch is to just stay attached to the tree. Fruit's going to come in its season, but you need to focus on staying attached to your source. John is like, that's what it's like with Jesus. Stick with Jesus. Stay attached to Jesus. And it's not, I mean, listen, everything in life is just pulling you away from Jesus. And so every day our goal is, man, I want to be with Jesus. I want to stick with Jesus. I want to get in his word. And when we start, that makes the day, like even as we go to work or do whatever we need to do, it's like keep holding on to Jesus. Keep staying attached to him when I'm doing all that I'm doing. The greatest challenge in your life with Jesus is simply being with him. The fruit's gonna come. When you're with Jesus, listen, you don't get away with sin. You're convicted. When you're with Jesus, you can't like, it doesn't work. When you're with Jesus, he's like gonna walk you through exactly how you need to go when you stick with Jesus. I also wanna say, uh, that's why we have such a long second set of worship. Um, Listen, I know it's long for some of you. We know because we see you kind of sneak out the back like, oh, thank you very much. We're good. Um, I just wanna say this as a worship leader. 
Second set is like the lowest hanging fruit there is with your walk with Jesus. Like we got air conditioning, we got the lights off, we got carpets, we got music. We're doing everything we can to make this as comfortable for you to be with Jesus as we possibly can. And let me just say, the world isn't doing that for you. So listen, just maybe a few more minutes with Jesus in the second set of worship. Just a few more minutes. I want to stick with Jesus. Listen, that's why we have communion, because who doesn't blow it in their time with Jesus? Who doesn't blow it in their time with Jesus? That's why every week we remember what it costs Jesus. That, listen, before we ever were pursuing Jesus, pursuing being with him, like he left heaven and pursued us, sinners, and he went to the cross for us and our sin. And so we remember his body was broken, his blood was poured out for sinners like us. And so come and take communion. Come and confess your sin to Jesus. Come confess it to one another. That's like we have time for prayer and people next to you. Like the, the Bible says there's healing that comes when we confess our sins. That's like why we linger here in second service. And listen, if you don't like the songs and you don't like the temperature and you don't like the volume, that's fine. Just sit with Jesus. Just spend a few more minutes with Jesus and get, and get used to just doing the thing you were made for, being in his presence reading his word, worshiping him. So Jesus, right now, we want to act this out. We want to obey you. We want to be with you, Lord. And I confess, we confess, life is hard and it's stressful. It's hard to still our minds and our hearts and be with you, Lord. But we believe your word when, when you say that's like the thing that matters most, that we would be with you, that we would sit at your feet. Lord, I just pray for Martha's, in the church this morning, who right now their mind's already just spinning all the things they gotta do, all the preparations they gotta make, all the, all, all, the, all the chaos of life. Lord, help us be more like Mary. Help us sit at your feet. And you promise, you say, when you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And so I, we're just, we're asking you to follow through on that promise, Lord. Please draw near to us. Minister to us. Pour life into us, God. We need you together, Jesus. We believe that as we worship you, this is not just some like feel good moment. Like the living God is available to be with us. So Jesus, help us seek your face. God, help us. I, I even just pray right now, tomorrow morning, help us in Jesus' name. Wake up and spend some time with you. Help us, God. Help us be able to pray continually throughout our day to see whatever we're doing is worship unto you. Lord, would you help your word to become sweeter to us and understandable? Fill us with your spirit, God, a greater craving to be in your presence. Jesus, I do again just thank you for your love that though we've blown it day in and day out and we've been distracted and we've maybe trusted on our own strength and wisdom too much. Thank you for the cross, for your love. That though we wander off like sheep, you were the good shepherd who laid your life down for us, who brought us home to be with you. Holy Spirit, please bless this time in your presence. Please lead us to the feet of Jesus now. Thank you.